Hello, welcome back to Rhythm and Range, where we love to discuss all things striking, sports psychology, and MMA culture. I'm going to do a couple quick current events, less than usual, because I want to jump into these recaps. Got a lot to say. All right, so number one I want to talk about, Dana White officially doubling down on this Ben Askren, Robbie Lawler rematch. Dana says, Askren's been fun. This guy's smart. He's funny. He likes to mix it up with everybody in a fun way, so it's been good. I'm glad he's here. I'm trying to make that Lawler rematch. First of all, that fight was awesome. It was fun. It was controversial, but it's the fight to make right now. Excuse me. Robbie Lawler said the choke was around his ears. The ref's talking to me. His arms are wrapped around my ears. How am I supposed to respond? I gave him the thumbs up. Okay. So, yeah, that's great because I, <laughs> I fucking been asking try to do everything he could to get out of this rematch. Like, he did not want that shit back. And he said it himself. You know, he not to be a fucking rocket scientist to, to know he didn't want that. I mean, who wants to fight Robbie Lawler? Jesus Christ. Um, Man, I'm interested to see that. And I want to see how that rematch goes. Like... <sighs> If Ben doesn't get that early takedown, you could see what happens. He'll be in fucking trouble. I mean, I don't know. I think Ben Askren's striking was a lot worse than even we expected it to be. Like, Jesus, he looked like just a deer in the headlights. Like, he was just... He got that, like... He just wasn't smooth. He was clunky. It was just not... He wasn't floating or gliding or sliding. And he looked just really at the mercy of whatever Robbie wanted to do. Um, all right. Moving on, this other big one I want to talk about. Deontay Wilder signs a new three-fight deal with Showtime. I'm glad, like, I'm glad because he just got offered a big, fat deal. I think it was $100 million around there from uh, DAZN. That guaranteed at least two fights with Anthony Joshua. However, he would have had to fight somebody else one time at, before any Joshua fights. Which is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're just trying to... Uh, I mean, I guess that that's how scared Eddie Hearn is or whatever uh, Joshua's promoter. He, it's almost like he wants, like he thinks Deontay can beat him, which I think he can. I mean, is Joshua probably the more technical guy? Yeah, everybody knows that, but fuck, Deontay hits hard as shit. He's the hardest puncher in boxing and he can put anybody out any given night. So... It's almost like they wanted to milk it for as much as possible before they let their golden goose get fucking murked. And it's like, not saying Joshua would even get murked, but that that's just how scared this dude is. Like, what the fuck? Just let him fight, dude. Come on. If you want to compete with UFC, if you want to fucking move into the future, God, I wish Joshua was managed by somebody. I wish that dude was not his promoter. Anyways. Okay, I'm happy Deontay, you know, he... He doesn't, uh, he doesn't sign with zone. whatever. I don't really want him to be locked down in zone because who knows what could happen in the future, but now look at the fucking picture. All three different guys in the heavyweight division that we want to see the matchups with are all now under three different promotions. Fuck, this is a headache. So now the fucking three promotions, Showtime, zone, and ESPN with Tyson Fury are going to have to fucking work out a deal. I just really hope they can get that shit done because these fights need to fucking happen. Okay. That's enough for current events because I got a lot to talk about on these recaps. Um, I want to talk about Dominic Reyes real quick and Volk and Ozdemir. These are my notes as I was watching the fight. Reyes was doing a great job getting Volk to walk onto his low kicks. Um, no one was really taking command of the fight early in the stand-up, but Volk's leg was starting to really show damage. 
And uh, Reyes seemed to get just a little tired. I don't know what if it was, if he was just, because he was not running, but he was using his movement a lot, circling on the outside, taking a lot more steps. The guy on the outside always takes more steps than the guy pressing forward, controlling the center of the ring. It's just, just how it goes. So, I don't know. He just looked a little bit, not gassed, but he just looked a little, little winded. And I think he was surprised by the fact that Vulcan was still in front of him after he was hitting him with all of his fucking shots. And... So Reyes was having, early in the fight, Reyes was having trouble landing clean. Vulcan was doing just enough to get out of the way. And Reyes was throwing one at a time, and I think he needed to, to, to double and triple up on his combos more. Like, he was just throwing one, one. And, and MMA guys fall into this a lot, and I don't quite understand it. I mean, I guess you're worried about the grappling and takedown, eh. But so yeah, he was falling into that thing. I think it was just Vulcan's experience. He was really showing through in that fight. You could tell he had been in there with DC. You could tell he had starched. Uh, oh, I forget who he starched. Um, fuck, oh, it's gonna bug me. Anyways, so I think we're moving into the second round. Vulcan, Vulcan excuse me, Vulcan had us a tremendous poker face. He looked didn't look damaged at all. He looked completely fine. He was starting to get inside on Dominic and land the overhand, and he damaged the nose significantly of Dominic. I was wondering if it was broke while I was watching. I was like, shit, is this shit broke? Because it seemed like he didn't want to get touched anymore. I mean, not that anybody ever wants to get touched, but I just thought, fuck, is this shit broke? It could be. But anyways, and then so moving into the third round, I was thinking, damn, Vulcan can steal this decision right now if he just picks up the pace because he was in Dominic Reyes' face. Dominic, again, still moving to the outside, looking more winded now, and just, I don't know, like, uh, Reyes did land the two cleanest left hand straights of the fight in that, in, in the round, in, uh, round three, and with two minutes left, Reyes lands a clean body knee, and needs to step on the gas pedal, because, uh, Vulcan was hurt to the body, I could tell, I sensed it, I'm pretty sure Dominic sensed it, because he started to, he did start, as I was saying, like, damn, he needs to step it up, like, on the gas pedal, I mean, he started to and he was starting to attack the body and he didn't he threw probably maybe three or four body shots in a row and and was just pounding the body and vulcan was he's hunched over trying to cover up the body and he had a great fucking poker face even at this moment though he wasn't letting him anybody see that he was hurt but i just knew that big knee like and he got him again he got him to walk onto it because vulcan had to constantly press forward um and then uh at the last note I had was that Reyes was currently outpointing Vulcan in that late third, and he's but he seems too tired to finish the fight, but continuing to hammer the body, and he ended up getting that decision, and I wasn't quite sure, but fuck, Dominic Reyes came out with the W. Now I want to talk about Till Masvidal. So, I sense the power is going to be a lot for Jorge early. Obviously, Till being the bigger dude, and he hits just, he hits like a fucking truck. So, he drops him, obviously, early in the fucking round. I think part of it, maybe, was a little bit he caught Jorge, like, slipping. Because, I mean, after that one, like, Jorge never really got, I mean, he never got dropped or rocked or hurt really bad after that. Like, he got ta tagged a couple times, but it wasn't anything insane, like, when he got put on his ass. He even said in the post-fight interview, like, I don't know, fuck, I don't even know what happened. Like, I was just on my ass. He got, so that leads me to believe he got caught slipping a bit. Anyways, 
Jorge is doing a good job of keeping Darren from getting close with strikes from multiple angles, but unsuccessful with the takedown attempts. This is after he gets dropped, of course, gets back up. He got his second, he got woken up. He got a fucking, you know, lit a fire in him, under him. Um, Darren looking very comfortable and relaxed and in control of the fight. This is, this is mid's first round, again, after the knockdown. Doesn't look worried by anything Jorge's throwing back at him, and he had already ate several shots that seemed to have no effect. I thought, I was like, shit, his chin's holding up. I mean, he looks fine. I was, I, you know, I wasn't sure Jorge was going to be able to do anything significant enough in, as far as just the power ratio. Um, Darren doing, was doing a good job of doubling up the jab and keeping Jorge back on his heels. He's trying to get Jorge to walk onto that left straight, and now Jorge was doing a, a really good job of avoiding that left hand, getting crafty, getting real veteran-like on Darren Till, and you could tell. I could tell, anyways. And this was now in the second round, early second round, and, and you could tell Jorge was starting to get his number a bit. It wasn't it wasn't surprising him as much, and as he, Darren's trying to get him to walk onto that left, he, he just... Uh, Jorge was just finding that little dead space right at the end of the range or right underneath the range of the punch or on the outside and, and that left was just grazing it was missing, it was grazing it was just outright hitting air sometimes and but I could see how close it was and I was like fuck he's, he knows what he wants to do and he's almost there but Jorge was just crafty just right out of the I mean because that's all you could ask for is in fighting is just just those little inches, those little micro fucking little millimeters of fucking space roll with the punch at the last second and it doesn't clip you quite as good as it might have and then now at this point Jorge's doing a great job of being first that's so fucking key in the stand-up game especially in MMA with those four ounce gloves he's he's being first good jabs and hooks from both sides left and right good overhands too landing a couple of those over the top with the right overhand and now Darren's watching a little too much. He's just he got he started watching because because again Jorge was coming from multiple angles: leg kick, overhand, jab, jab, straight. You know he's just mixing it up. He's not being predictable. He's coming from multiple angles. Darren's looking. He just he's you know not in the headlights yet, but he's he's just watching too much. And so then Darren eats three shots in a row right on the chin. And I was like a little. I was like fuck. He needs to not do that because he. You can only eat so many fucking shots right in the I mean, you can't eat three in a row. You just can't. And I'm thinking it did, uh, didn't, did nothing to him. I'm thinking he didn't phase him. But, I mean, shit. I'm not quite sure because off this last one, I didn't honestly necessarily think it looked like the hardest punch in, in, in motion when I saw it. I mean, it did have a lot of good momentum behind it because he was able to, again, get inside the range with... The, with the fucking reaching right hand that did come up short, but then when you switch over to that, you to one two. It's more of a street fight rushing punch, one two punch than anything technical. But it it's awkward and chaotic enough to throw people off guard, especially like if Jorge said himself he had never thrown it before. So if you've never thrown it before and the guys have no idea you're gonna do it, it's just that much more effective and. Oh my god, it did everything it needed to do. And again, so when it happened, Darren kind of locked in place. I didn't want to see he froze, but you know how guys sometimes have a tendency when they see somebody coming in, they'll lock in place to meet the momentum. And that's what he did. He locked in place and like to meet the momentum and to block and also maybe to hit a counter. But it was more like a block because both his hands were extended out straight like he was just trying to push Jorge back. And he thinks he's clear because he avoids that right straight. And, but he pulls straight back 
and his hand and his chin's right up high in the air and Jorge switches over to that southpaw quick hook straight if you will hook slash straight because it was a reaching hook that kind of went across his body like a pitch in baseball but and then he just cracks him and then honestly I thought it was the second punch that put Darren out but when watching the replay lots of times it looks really like he was just out by the first one like boom instantly rocked him and then he just starts falling back and then Jorge tries to unload a right short right shovel hook on him but D Darren Till was already collapsing backwards and it kind of took the took a lot of the oomph of the punch but it still did push Darren back on, and you could see that it was really just the first one and done and he was out before even his head hit the back of the fucking his hit the back of his head on that canvas and i was fucking devastated i was like fuck i really wanted him to to win hey masvidal's in this shit does he deserve a title shot right now no you can't be off for a year and a half to two years almost and and come back win one fight and jump colby like do i like does anybody like colby fuck no but you can't like he's built up the fight too much now like it has to happen he has to fight kamaro and get his ass beat up and then masvidal can i think masvidal if he wants to stay busy has to fight Asker next so actually no because dana's <laughs> fucking said already that he's doubling down on lawler uh the lawler rematch so Jorge should just wait, just chill out, get the next shot after Colby gets beat up. Real quick, too, lastly, gonna just go through this Spence Garcia recap. So early, I thought Garcia was doing a good job of keeping range against Spence. Earl was swinging big, but couldn't really land anything big at that moment. Still a lot of a filling out process. Neither fighter was really committing much at the time. But then Spence started doing pretty good with the left straights of the body. I love the way he drops and level changes. He just boom, boom. Like it's just perfectly in time with his motion. And it's untimable. Like, and then if you're Garcia, you just keep walking onto it. You keep walking onto it because well, you're not going to fight Earl Spence at range. Like, you're the fucking smaller dude. You got to get inside or you're dead. You're going to get eaten alive in a wood chipper. And Garcia, I could sense that Garcia was having trouble coming in. But he was finding some hard-found success with the right straight and leading with it. I thought he did a good job leading with it, and he was coming in with it, and he was trying to sneak it in, man. It's fucking hard to hit a dude like Spence, and he's so fast and athletic, and it's just as tough as it gets. And then he's bigger than you to fucking top it off. And then so, late round two, and uh, just straight punches landing strongly for both fighters at this point. Not rocking each other, but, you know, you're tagging them and boxing, you know. It's fucking hard to land shit, so I give a lot of credit when I saw these guys starting to land their straights. Earl with the left and Mikey with the right. And then Spence, not having a lot of damage success with these body shots. Both fighters were fighting for ring control a lot. I like the fact that Earl wasn't constantly letting, going backwards and letting Mikey come forward. He was circling off and, and taking the center sometimes, which I love. I think the taking the center is key. So they were both pressing back and forth for ring control. I was thinking Spence should have pressed forward a little more, but he was having a lot of success to the body by now, though Garcia seemed completely unfazed. He has a great poker face, the best. Not the best, but as good as a poker face can get. He was constantly coming forward, constantly working the game plan, and trying to do what he had to do. Like That's all. That's really his only option. That's all you could do is come forward, because what are you going to do? Sit on the edge of the range? Sit on the outside of that range, right on that danger zone, and just let... A power puncher like Earl, because we would be honest, Earl is, I think, more of a power puncher than Mikey. 
And you're not going to sit on the edge of that fucking range and let Earl tee off. Because he's teeing off no matter what. He's going to keep swinging. His output was more... It, it seemed... Or just to the naked eye, while you're seeing it, it seemed as if Earl was land, like not landing, but at least firing three to to my, to every one of Mikey's. So he was the ratio was like three to one or three two, and, and even three at three two, you know the extra strike is the is the world. Is again sports are one about based on milliseconds and millimeters. The difference isn't much, especially when you got when you got two guys that are undefeated and on the top of the games like this. It was a great fight in my opinion, though. Some people thought it was a blowout. But I liked it. I think this is exactly what boxing needed. Mikey Garcia's stock didn't drop really that much. I mean, you know, he didn't get finished. <clears throat> uh, Garcia is now like, probably like in the later. I forget what round I said this at, but Garcia was having trouble closing the distance on Spence more so now, and, and he's taking a lot of shots on the way in, way too many. And again, there's nothing you can do because he has to get close to him to fucking be able to hurt him. And then he showed, he showed tremendous heart. He was pressing the action despite being hit constantly. Garcia is still unfazed by any damage he may have uh, taken. And at this point, it was, we're closing up the fight, and I'm thinking, hand speed started, is starting to show the difference between the two fighters. Spence taking over the fight with hand speed. And he did, man. I mean, fuck. I, I, was, uh, I was telling people, you know, that we were watching the house. We had a little fight party. I always do. And I'm saying, damn, like, I knew the gut that Spence was the better athlete. People a lot wanted to root for their underdog. I get it. And my mom, of course, wanted Garcia to win. I just knew, man. I was like, fuck, I don't know. Especially if he starts taking over. And then it really started, once he starts, when Mikey, not to say he was not throwing combos, because he was. He was throwing two and three. And, you know, never really, I don't think he really got to four that often, or if he did. But he was doing two-punch, three-punch combos. I think three is the sweet spot, really. But once Spence starts to hit him, like, one, two, and, like, he would time him perfectly as Garcia was stepping in, and it would halt Garcia's motion. And he never really got a chance to set up, Not got, never got a chance to get into rhythm because every time he was about to set up, he just hit, getting hit, getting hit. And that's the thing, I think, with sometimes guys are too... I mean, Mikey Garcia doesn't telegraph, but you can kind of tell when he's going to set up, especially when you're the shorter guy and you have to you have to walk forward. Because you're walking forward, you're going to have to slow down at one point just to really let those punches go. And Earl was just seeing every fucking thing. He was just seeing it all. He knew exactly when Mikey was jumping in. Right when You could just see when he's about to load up. And he really established the jab. Earl Spence even said himself in the post-fight interview. Press conference, rather. He said uh, that he was really able to establish his jab. The fastest way to your opponent is a straight line. I love that quote. I love that fucking, that principle. I employ it as much as in my own sparring. And it's true. It's just too quick. Boom, boom. And it's not the worst punch to get hit by anyways. Like, it's just, boom. It's just straight. Fucking snaps your head back if you get hit cleanly with it. It's a motherfucker. All right, so that's good for the recaps. I'm hoping, you know... Boxing had a good weekend. I'm hoping they, all those are. I'll say real quick too, before I close off these reca- recaps. All those fights before were fucking lights out, man. These motherfuckers were coming. They were stopping each other. They were fucking finishing. There was knockdowns, stoppages. Uh, I'm not gonna jump into all of it right now, but it was fucking good shit, man. It was great for boxing. I think it was a good night for boxing. A little confused with the Fox Now app at first. It's a little tricky, but. If you got an Xbox One or you got a fucking smart TV, I mean, it's 
pretty straightforward. You just got to sign up the first time, and that's that's the hard. This is not the hardest part, but that's just the once you once you're subscribed and you're all in there, and then you're fucking straight. But all right, anyway, it's time to jump in a little bit of sports psych insights. Okay, first sports psych insight. Flow is your ability to stay in the present moment. Flow or being in the zone is the act of being completely involved in an activity for its own sake. The ego falls away, time flies, every action, movement, and thought follows inevitably from the previous one. It's like playing jazz. This is so true, man. I mean, fucking flow is the most beautiful thing I think in the world. And being in that state is nothing like it where time just falls away time slows down at the same time there is nothing there's no you you cease to exist you're lost in the ether of the activity that you're doing in the moment you're seeing and reacting to everything it's like you're a tree which is roots in the ground is like one of the best there's so many ways you can put it but that's one of the best ways i could put it and you feel your opponent you see him and at the highest moments of flow when you have your opponent you will just get these insights that will just be dropped to you from the fucking fighting gods, it seems like, and they just bestow you with this tactic you need in the moment, and you execute, and another thing right here that ties into this, it says, at that special level, all sorts of odd things happened. The game would be in the white hot heat of competition, and yet somehow I wouldn't feel competitive. I'd be putting out the maximum effort, straining and coughing up parts of my lungs, and yet I never felt the pain or the effort. The game would move so quickly that every fake cut and pass would be surprising, and yet nothing could surprise me. It was almost as if we were playing in slow motion. And this is from a guy that played with Dr. J, or next to Dr. J. I'm pretty positive, and it's from The Mindful Athlete by George, I forget his name, George something. Anyways, he played with Dr. J, and it's a great fucking book, but yes. Everything was surprising, but yet nothing could surprise me. I think that is so fucking key and so crucial. Not enough people talk about this shit. I mean, again, it's hard to fucking get into that at first. I mean, once you get into it, though, then you you can come back to it, and you can keep doing it, because that's what I have now. I'm able to tap into it almost instantaneously. I can just turn it on, boom, like literally flipping a switch. And, but when you feel it for the first time, you're not sure, like, what the fuck is this? Like, am I this good? Or it's just this luck? Or what the fuck is happening? It's fucking confusing because, like Bruce Lee said, it's almost like you're a passenger at times. You're just along for the ride and your body's reacting. And again, it's a product of the training. But it's just fucking crazy, man. Another one, let's see. On the five or ten occasions when the game ended at that special level, I literally did not care who had won. If we lost, I'd still be as free and high as a Skyhawk. That's so key because I think you got to be happy with the performances, even in loss, because you don't win everything. You know, sometimes you get fucked up, sometimes you get your nose broken, sometimes you get dropped. You know, things fucking happen. Then you just got to fucking, you know, pick yourself up and just keep going and shit. Rowing at its best, this is from a rower, probably at the collegiate level. Rowing at its best occurs when you are gliding through the water with such effortlessness and yet such total presence that you almost seem to disappear. See, this goes back to again when I was talking about there is no you. And like Bruce Lee said, there is, or Musashi rather, he's the nothingness, the art of nothingness. There is no you. There is no, your opponent doesn't exist. Nothing exists. Your thoughts don't exist. There's, the fight doesn't exist in itself. It's just 
that's how clear the zone is that's how clear the ultimate peak flow state is you don't even you don't even like if somebody if you you couldn't even answer a question in that state because it's so dialed in but if you could answer a question you probably wouldn't even know your own name because that's just how your identity is completely gone it's vanished you are the activity itself that's a fucking one of the best ways to put it you are the activity itself you're every punch every kick every dodge every breath every fucking step forward backwards sideways it doesn't matter and again it's addictive it's one of the most beautiful things in the world i wish everybody can experience it and people do experience it in a lot of different ways it's not just fighting or being in that it's just easier i think to learn it in combat because it forces you just to be in that fucking state of of just such alertness hyper awareness that you know that your physical safety is on the line so you need to it just fucking kicks you there it like it just forces you there immediately so you get to live there you fucking you learned i grew up there i fucking i became more of a man in that in that zone like i learned about myself in that zone it teaches you and it can happen in jiu-jitsu it can happen in everything. like i said it's all walks of life in business it could happen in sales it could happen i experienced this selling cars you know it just happens man and it's fucking it's the best shit in the world but i'm gonna wrap this episode up again this episode four rhythm and range um, this is Tuesday. I'm gonna come back at you guys probably, probably just come back tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the news, how this news goes, what what unfolds in the next couple of days. Again, just ca- recapping real quick. I really hope, as far as the welterweight division goes in the UFC, I really fucking hope that Masvidal doesn't get to jump Colby, and I hope that Colby Usman fight happens. It needs to fucking happen. Also, if you're listening, go check out that Kamara Usman on Joe Rogan because that is a fucking great episode. Just aired yesterday. So, uh, yeah, signing off, baby. I'll be back in the next two days. Rhythm and range. Peace.